0: As the name implies for this episode and should we bend the knee to our critics, I thought it was rather fitting uh, to do this episode now in the wake of um, just a lot of recent public declarations and apologies that have been coming forth in the mainstream news to kind of kick back and, and talk a little bit about this concept of bending the knee to our critics so that's what this episode is gonna be about today, is whether or not we ought to derail our creative pursuits because of the social media mob or uh, sort of public pressures to do so for X, Y, Z reasons. So buckle in. Uh, this is The Return of the Narrative Wars here on The Writer's Lens. I'm Josh J.C. Alfalto talking about criticism specifically and whether or not we ought to uh, you know, apologize for our art. How does an artist take this on? How does a person who's a storyteller who's writing books, I'm like like you're the brand, right? Like I'm the person that's writing books. I'm telling stories. I'm doing podcasts and I'm kind of my own individual company. I'm CEO of JCL Felto. And what am I supposed to do if I put content out there or I put a story out there and suddenly there are groups of people that are coming against me? Like, they, they don't want me to release a book, or they, they're going to boycott me. They're going to say, you know, this is a, a rotten idea, or this is a terrible injustice that's being had. The stuff that he's putting out, I, I don't agree with. And, you know, we're going to get a group of people together, and we're going to stop this from happening. We're going to, you know, make sure he can't distribute on certain channels. You know, all manner of things to try and, you know, squelch the individual or the brand from, from being a success. So this is... Somewhat different, but also the same, I think, in, in the space of, of sort of capitalist endeavors, because as a writer, you're, you're a capitalist, you're an entrepreneur. Okay, you are trying to make money off of the stories that you tell. I, I would like to make money off the stories that I tell. Yes, I, I wish I could say I'm totally altruistic, and all I want to do is just spread my good stories everywhere without a single dime coming back to me for credit. Uh, I, I'd be lying if I said that to you. Of, of course, I want to get paid for the stories that I do. Of course, I, I want to see some kind of value being come, uh, you know, coming back to me as a podcaster or uh, you know, content creator. Of course, I mean, it's one of the you know not the reason why I start doing these kinds of things, but it's 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 a driving force, and it also presents you with some good reasons to keep going. So, in the instances where we do face pressure and we do face uh, this sort of onslaught of, of voices that are against our message, what are we supposed to do about that? You know, when is it right? When is it wrong to say, okay, I, I think I'm in the wrong about this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Now, art is different in that it's subjective and it's kind of like beauty in the eye of the beholder, right? Like we can put something out that we have created and now it's up to interpretation. Now it's up to the audience. Now it's up to the general populace to decide, is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? Is it, is it worthy of praise? Is it worth telling our neighbors about, our friends, to, to kind of share in it? You know, all those things. But we also live in an age where uh, people can be offended quite easily. <laughs> and uh, just hearing certain buzzwords can cause folks to go into a frenzy about what they believe is being uh, said in this message or what they believe the artist or the, or the writer is trying to do or accomplish. So case in point, before 2019, so going back a ways, uh, I had never heard of the name uh Wen Zhao, okay, and I, and I think I've gotten that pronunciation correct. Uh, you may not have even heard of her either, but you may have heard of her by the time that I'm doing this podcast, because back when I wanted to do this episode, she had just kind of started to make the waves around social media for uh, particularly one reason— And it was not her book idea called Blood Air. It actually, it had to do with her book, Blood Air, but it had to do with the reactions that she was getting about her book. So here's a little bit of the scoop and a little bit of the synopsis if you're not up to speed. So Ms. Zhao was a budding young adult fiction writer. Okay, she had just inked a deal for a new series uh, with the first one being called Blood Air. And her story is as follows, and I'm kind of reading this off of Goodreads so you can go check it for yourself. This is the synopsis. Sort of a snapshot of what the story is about. So in the Cerulean Empire, uh, Finits are reviled, uh, which I, I think, again, I'm trying to pronounce all these things correctly. Uh, their very gifts to control the world around them are unnatural and dangerous. And Anastasia, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name, the crown princess has a terrifying secret. Her deadly affinity to blood is her curse and the reason she has lived her life hidden behind palace walls. When her father, the emperor, is murdered, her world is shattered. Framed as his killer, Anna must flee the palace to save her life, and to clear her name, she must find her father's murderer on her own. But the Cerulea beyond the palace walls is far different than the one she thought she knew. Corruption rules the land, and a greater conspiracy is at work, one that threatens the very balance of her world, and there's only one person corrupt enough to help Anna get to its core, Ransom Quicktongue. It's an interesting name. Uh, A cunning crime lord of Cerulean Underworld, Ramson, has sinister plans, though he might have met his match in Anna, because in this story, the princess might be the most dangerous player of all. I'm assuming there's probably a romance that, that buds out of this, but that's just me guessing. Okay, I haven't read this book. I don't know much about it other than that synopsis, but what I do know a lot about is what happened prior to her going to release this book. Uh... A, a, a bevy of responses started to come out with reactions about her story, because apparently uh, Miss Zhao's work involved uh, slavery. It involved uh, in, again in this fictional world where there was there were slaves, there were issues of slavery happening, and uh, the the princess is involved in this. And because of this topic, uh, many people on Twitter took to it, saying that this book shouldn't even get released that uh, because it's trying to exploit the idea of slavery and there's certain groups of people that are enslaved in the book, this is pushing the agenda, pushing the narrative that slavery is okay. Now, first and foremost, we have to get something on the table here. Slavery, human slavery specifically, still exists today, uh, which is a horrible, horrible crime against humanity, period, okay? Uh, slavery, not in the sense of Old Testament slavery of indentured servitude, actual slavery, and even sex slavery, sex trafficking. These things still exist today, uh, and they happen in the United States as well. Okay, so these are real issues. Okay, if a person has an issue with slavery, I'm—I I don't want you to think I'm going down this path of well, I'll just rush it off. No, this actually still happens today, and it's horrible. So we got to put that on the table first—that slavery does happen today. Now. In the instance of Ms. Zhao's story, which I have not read, uh, many other people had not read her work either, but when they heard these particular buzzwords and what the story was essentially going to be about, everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon that this was a cruel indictment, that this was some kind of horrible hit fest now to try and push the narrative that slavery should still exist and that slavery can be kind of still being pushed out into the mainstream as acceptable, or that certain groups of people are slaves now again hearing this from my mouth you might say well wait a second uh, you know have these people read the book have they even you know delve deeply into Miss Al's story herself to understand where she's coming from perhaps not it could be 50 50 but it was interesting because as soon as all of this negative press started running its way through social media through Twitter people were saying horrible things about the book and and trying to get it uh, stopped from being published, Zhao reneged on the deal. She said, you know what? I apologize to everybody. I didn't mean to offend anyone with my book, with my work. I'm going to you know, school for a completely separate thing. I, I got this book deal, and I, I was excited about it. But you know what? If it's going to offend too many people, I'm not going to publish this thing. Which is, to me, as an artist, uh, I felt so bad for her. You know, I just I felt like no don't do it not because i wanted her to support the idea of slavery or anything like that because again i've never read her book but but i just felt like like why cave in to voices that don't even know you that don't even know what your story is really about because that's what was happening she was seeing all this pressure coming at her from people saying like like look we know what we already know what this is going to be about right we already know the agenda you're pushing just silence yourself before it gets worse do what we say, and all things will be made unto you, uh, which is basically nothing. You won't get to get your voice out there. Just, just, just stop talking. Be done. And I felt so bad for this this young girl because, again, as as a fellow writer, you know, uh, I know I'm not going to please everybody. Okay, I'm not going to be a voice for every single voice that's out there. I'm going to have my own message. I'm going to have uh, my own sort of creative lens for the things that I create and what I do. And that's the point, is that I have a vantage point and an angle of which I can, I can go at things with, and someone else can do it, and someone else can, can do it, okay? That's kind of the beauty of art in general, is that we can all kind of bring different perspectives, different lenses to uh, you know, different art forms or whatever it might be. So when it comes to people trying to shut down someone's expression, shut down someone's maybe art or you know, maybe their experiences... Uh, you know, I I'm just like, oh come on, you know, like that's that's not right, okay? Freedom of speech, <laughs> freedom of speech. Uh, got to let people get their ideas out there, right? We got to be able to sift through them, even if it was a horrible story, even if Ms. Zhao's story was terrible. Uh, which, uh, based on some of the Goodreads uh, reviews I'm seeing, it's not horrible. It actually sounds like it's a pretty good story, or at least from the reviews that are coming in now. Which, again, I, I might be giving a little bit away here, but initially. She was like, "No, I'm. I, I won't do it. I, I. I don't want to offend anyone. I'm. I'm pulling on the story. So her story of being, sort of silenced by her critics and people who hadn't even read the story starts to go viral, and people start picking up steam with this. People are writing articles about it. People are blogging. They're. They're doing podcast episodes, kind of like this one, talking about whether or not, uh, Ms. Zhao should have. Uh, basically, done what she what she did, which was say, okay, I apologize. I'm not going to publish my work. Which again, I think is such a crime to do. Like if you've worked hard at this, just just put it out there. Let people actually read it and see what it says, and then they can they can decide for themselves. So time goes on, and after some some backlash on either way, she decides that she's going to publish this book anyway, which I thought was great. Mostly a lot of this, I think, came from the fact that when people realized who she was and they knew her background, they started to say, oh, okay, well, I guess we can actually support this person because um, it seems as though she has no ties to, you know, maybe like white supremacy or anything like that. She has no ties to ideologies or ideas that we thought maybe she was going to push for. I don't know. Again, I, I might be projecting in some areas, but but this is what happened so now her books getting published okay so now we're we're flipping the script here she's gonna publish the book and there's all this buzz around it all this buzz around her new book blood air and how you know her books gonna come out and she's gonna get to publish it and it's great and I'm happy for her and as I was doing a little bit of research on her story as it's been kind of unfolding over the summer now coming into fall and winter uh, she had an interview with NPR and in this interview and I am gonna quote this uh, they asked her about what it felt like in the initial stages when people were coming after her and telling her hey don't publish your book you know this is crap this is garbage what are you trying to pull kinda of deal uh, this is what she said in her interview and this is straight from NPR just from a few days ago here in November uh, she said at the time it was really overwhelming because a few early readers had said that it was uh, or that it was offensive I believe my book was a portrayal of chattel slavery in America and it snowballed into a lot of people who hadn't even read the book and there was, uh, there was just so much critique coming from people who hadn't read it. So that was really devastating to me because these are some real issues that draw from my background and from global issues that are ongoing and continue to affect so many people. Uh, in case you didn't know, Ms. Zhao is of Chinese origin. Um, I think she was born in Paris. Uh, if I can basically uh, look that up here real quick. Yeah, she is. Uh, she was born in Paris, grew up in Beijing, and she moved to the United States when she was eighteen to attend college. So she's kind of been all over the place. Um, so this background that she's pulling from for her story is, is sort of her subjective experience. Okay, so she's you know creating the story about a, a princess and and you know father was murdered. I don't know if her actual father has been murdered in real life. I have no idea, but. But she goes on and she says, it was particularly devastating because it felt to me like my perspective wasn't welcome in this country. So this is interesting. So you have someone who has an experience and a perspective and they're trying to bring it into this fictional realm or fictional space as an expression. And the very people who might be the ones who would have been advocating for expression and for, you know, quote unquote, better ideas, better thoughts are trying to suppress it. It's a, it's a horrible hypocrisy. So, so then she continues, and we'll get back here to her comment uh, from the interview. She says, and honestly, for a while, it just felt like I wasn't allowed to have a voice in exploring deeply poignant subjects that were personal to me. Like my uh, fiance is the descendant of a Chinese indentured laborer, and I believe these are difficult truths and ugly histories that need to be confronted through literature. That last line is incredibly important. And I'll read it again. and she says, and I believe these are difficult truths and ugly histories that need to be confronted through literature. This is absolutely 100% accurate. We as storytellers, as content creators, as people who work in the fictional space, or even in nonfiction, a lot of history is ugly, and it's nasty, and a lot of it is, is horrible to even look upon. But those who don't view their histories, who don't accept what has happened, are doomed to repeat it. Okay, I, I know it's an old cliché, but guess what? It's a true cliché. And that's probably why it is a cliché, because it's it's just true. It rings true. Um, to confront these kinds of things through literature, through exploring these themes and these narratives, through fictional spaces to kind of expose them, talk about them. I mean, I, I've talked about this in other episodes— this is one of the great powers of, of, of fiction and storytelling is that we can go into these spaces that if we tackle them rather head on, if we tackle these ideas head on, it could turn people off and it, it might not draw them in enough to, to maybe be interested to, to talk about them, to talk about these societal problems, or maybe past societal issues, but to bring it into a setting that is semi-familiar, so fantasy or, or science fiction or a, a tale of, of you know, hero or heroine's journey, it can draw more people in to relate to it first and then to kind of talk about these deeper themes and deeper issues uh, and explore those from there. Uh, her, her last comment in this interview, I, just, I thought was just so insightful because it's absolutely 100% true. And that's why when it comes to expression, when it comes to art, when it comes to storytelling, bending the knee to our critics before we even get going, uh, we, we can't be doing that, okay, you just you can't do that, especially for people who haven't even read your book who who haven't even you know, explored what you have to say or, or what you you're about to put out into the the public uh, space. If they haven't even read it, then then how do they know? How do they even know what's best, right? How do they even know what's best? I mean, they're they're judging upon things that they don't even know. They're just kind of bringing in maybe their own agenda, their own sort of broken lens upon things. And projecting it onto something so that so they can have a target for for whatever it is. And and uh, you know I am not trying to paint a bad picture of the critics, the ones who were uh, criticizing uh, Ms. Zhao's work uh, before it came out. But I am trying to make light of that situation. That that is exactly uh, where we don't want to be. Okay, we don't want to be in those positions. We want to be able to 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 let artists express themselves in some way. Uh, and then let the general public go, oh, do we like this? Do we not like this? Et cetera. Okay, now we can move on. So great, great point there by Ms. Zhao at the end of that of that interview, or it wasn't the end of her interview, but the end of that statement I thought was fantastic. Uh, and I'll just read it again because I think it's great. And I believe these are difficult truths and ugly histories that need to be confronted through literature. So So great point. Great point right there. Now, this really begs to ask the question, for me personally, when it comes to these issues of sort of the social media mobs, um, you know, when people kind of rally together to critique and sort of try to silence a voice of someone out there, uh, who are the types of people who will bend their knee to critics? Who are who are those types? Because that might be probably an even bigger question: when should someone do it? When should someone actually apologize publicly? So, besides having the power of a crystal ball and knowing exactly what the intentions are of perhaps every single person that we run into in our life, uh, you know, who would do it or why would they do it? I mean, I could think of a couple of reasons. I mean, for one, you know, nobody likes the pressures of other people being negative towards them, okay, you know, unless you're like maybe, you know, sadistic or, or masochist or something. Like nobody likes hearing from other people that they think their ideas or their art is garbage, and again, I've talked about this before, about how, you know, art often is, uh, you know, such an identifier for us. It's such a, like, this is my identity being put out there. You know, this is kind of my blood being spilled for other people to, you know, to see or or whatnot. And then when someone rejects that, it's like rejecting my whole being. And for a lot of artists and creatives, it's not an easy pill to swallow. It's not something that's just simple to shrug off. So you know, we don't want to hear all that negative criticism. You know, we don't want to face the you know that kind of uh, you know feedback. So so we may want to you know you know crouch back and say, okay, maybe I can reconsider my position. I can reconsider what I'm I'm putting out there, and that might be could could be a reason. You know, it could be a person also who's just like you know what I want to I want to try to appease everyone. It could be a person who's seeking, you know, populism, you know, like, hey, I I just want to be popular. You know, I've, I've been seeking my whole life to be accepted by everybody, as many people as I can, and, you know, I, I I just want to, you know, appease everyone, which of course is impossible, but we still, in some ways, even though we may know it consciously that that's impossible, we still seek it out in some regard, uh, and there's nothing wrong, I think, with trying to be at peace with everyone that, that we meet, that we try to, uh, you know, have relatively, you know, good exchanges and and engagements. I mean, it's not going to go perfect every time, but there is sort of that knack of like, hey, I I want to, you know, appease as many people as I can. Or, you know, I think in some other ways, you know, someone might be seeking to gain a greater swath of influence, right? Especially when it comes to creative pursuits. You know, look, I want to increase my influence. so I'm going to, you know, ignore those that didn't say anything necessarily, but the ones who had really strong feedback for me, I want to try and uh, be influential towards them, so I'm going to change my message a bit. Maybe then they'll come on my side. Maybe then they'll support me, and, and that'll be good, right? Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I, it's, it's good when you make money off your creative pursuits. It's good when people invest in it with you by giving sort of a monetary donation or, or purchasing your, your creative work. I mean, it gives validation. You know, It affirms me that someone supports what I do, that likes my message, that likes the content that I've, that I've put out there. So there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of reasons why people might end up bending their knee to their critics in some way. and, and many of those that I just listed, I can relate to. because yeah, I want as many people as I can uh, to enjoy my work and to like it and subscribe to it and share it with other people. Of course. okay? I mean, if, if anyone is trying to tell you differently and they have a business or they're entrepreneurial, I mean they're, they're deluded in their thinking they're they're not thinking it clearly or they're just trying to maybe use reverse psychology I don't know but but of course you're in it to try and you know spread your influence as much as you can and it might sound like a you know creative's best kept secret or dirtiest little secret it's it shouldn't be though and as people who consume content I mean I consume content I read books that I like I follow franchises that I enjoy uh, I'm willing to make the investment with a financial you know payment and say yeah, of course, you know I'll I'll go out and buy this because I support it because I am invested in it. I like it, it interests me. Yes, of course I will. But then the crazy thing is is when I see for myself, again from my vantage point as a creative, other creatives getting, you know, just shot down even before they get out of the gate because somebody disagrees with them and brings along this, this posse or so to try and stop them. Uh, I just, not that I want to, you know, raise up my own flag and go to war, but rather like just kind of evaluating it. Like, like why, you know, why is this, this mob against them so much? You know, there must've been some reason behind it. And that, you know, of course, bleeds over into when should you actually apologize publicly for something? Now, first of all, you have to be kind of a public figure. You have to be well-known in some regard. You have to have some kind of following. But I, but I do believe that when certain principles, when certain things do happen to us that become exposed or whatever they may be, and, you know, Lord willing, you know, some of that stuff I, I, I won't have to experience in my own lifetime, but... But when that does happen and we take responsibility for it, there, there should be a bit of grace that you do get. But there are going to be groups of people that never accept apologies. They're never going to be forgiving towards whatever it is that you come out and say. They're never going to accept the you know whatever it is that you've put out there that says, look, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that. They're, they're never going to be satisfied. And I think that's also something that as a creative, as an entrepreneur, as a writer, you have to also keep that in the back of your mind. You're not going to appease everyone. And quite honestly, you don't want to. You don't want to appease every single person that reads your work. Uh, You know, I just, I think that's kind of foolish thinking. And I don't think that it's realistic. And honestly, critical feedback should be taken with a grain of salt, but also as a means to maybe get better for the next time if it really is truthfully good criticism uh, that you can accept. So so there are some thoughts as far as bending the knee to our critics. Uh, you know, Let me know what you think about that, about this whole issue with Ms. Zhao and her book. And if you read it? I mean, I haven't read it yet. I'm kind of interested to read it though. After all the, the stuff I've been reading online, I'm not real sure if I can get into young adult fantasy too much, but just something to consider. So I will say this, congratulations again to um Ms. Al for for uh, getting her book out there and to, you know, stick into her guns, you know, basically saying, uh, I have an important message. I have a story that I want to tell and I'm going to put it out there. Um, I'm going to at least let this thing fly and see if it does fly. I'm not going to clip its wings before it can even take flight. So, so kudos to you for doing that. Uh, all things considered from one creative to another, congratulations. And, um, yeah, so we'll just kind of leave it at that. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in here for another episode of the Narrative Wars. Uh, always trying to be uh, somewhat edgy, you know, with with some of these episodes to kind of ping some people's spirits in their their minds and and see uh, you know where we're at if we're thinking about some of these issues and and uh, you know really how we're evaluating them too. So anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to like, share, subscribe all that kind of good stuff that always gets asked at the end of every good episode of a podcast. And I'll catch up with you guys again soon. It's Josh J. C. Felto for the writer's lens.